At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Hey, Nick, I mean, Tommy. <laughs> uh, twice. Uh, you're here, uh, and Nathan is gone because he's on a different program, but you just got back, literally just got back from checking out, ta-da, the new Land Cruiser. It was a fantastic day yesterday because I was out in Salt Lake City, Utah, where, as you mentioned, Toyota has brought back an icon. The Land Cruiser has returned to the U.S., but it's not what you think. Yeah, they kind of had to kill it to bring it back, right? Because it's very different from the one that the rest of the world gets. Well, I mean, in the States, if you look at the generations of Land Cruiser, there's been two trends. Bigger and heavier, more expensive. Every generation, bigger, more expensive. Bigger, more expensive. And then for 2024, smaller, less expensive. Yeah, in this podcast, we're going to do some really fun things. First, uh, you did a walk around. Uh, that we're going to include in this podcast. So if you're watching it on YouTube, you'll actually get to see the uh, land, uh, the new Land Cruiser, the 2024 model. Plus, you interviewed who? Well, I interviewed a bunch of different influencers, journalists, and media in the industry to get a bunch of different perspectives. So there was this big party that Toyota held at the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum out in Salt Lake, and they had all sorts of folks that were um, knowledgeable and powerful in the industry, and I got them on camera. I, I did um, street style, hold a mic up to them and get their initial impressions. Yeah, so we'll have some of your favorite YouTubers uh, talking about what they think of the new Land Cruiser. But before we get to all that, Tommy, yeah, uh, can I do a rant? Already? We're yeah. two minutes in? I know. What do you have to rant about? Well, because it just, just happened to me, and I realize that it happens to me every time I go home from work, and it's really starting to uh, tick me off. Okay. So when this happens either mainly turning right, but it also happens when we come to the office turning left, right? And when there's a lot of traffic, what happens is um, you're about to turn right, and you can in America turn right on red if you can get to the right turn lane. Mm. And what ends up happening often here is that you can't get to the right turn lane because there is a car that's parked in front of you blocking your access to the right turn lane because there's traffic. And if that car were to just move up a couple of feet, then they would allow you to sneak past them and get into that right turn lane and get onto your you know, next street. But they don't. I've been stopped at that light with, of course, a car in front of me, and if that car had only moved like two feet or three feet forward, just scooched a little bit forward, I could have snuck by him and 
been on my way home. But instead, they're completely oblivious to the fact that I'm sitting there at the stoplight waiting for them to scooch, but they won't scooch. Has that happened to you? That is a very frustrating thing that does happen quite frequently. It happens coming into work, too, on that same stop going left, right? Because it backs up, the traffic backs up, and there are two left lanes, and then there's a car. You're so close to that left turn lane, and then what ends up happening is if you don't get in the left turn lane, you miss the left turn signal. And then you can't make that turn and you have to wait a whole nother light cycle. So guys and gals out there, just look in your rearview mirror, scooch up. You don't have to be buried in your phone or whatever, you know, your music. Uh, just be cognizant that there might be people behind you who just need a couple of feet of room to get past you to get on their way home. Now, I think it's interesting, speaking of being buried in your phone at a stoplight, which yeah. really is a lot of the problem nowadays. One thing which I've been seeing more and more in new cars is a warning in the instrument cluster that lets you know when the car in front is accelerating away from a stop. So many people are texting while sitting at stoplights now. The car has to remind you the car in front is moving away. So Hyundai products do this. The Volvo products do this. I do this. What do you mean you do this? If I'm sitting a shotgun and the person is like lost in thought, I'll be like, uh -uh. How, do you, <laughs> how do you actually, what's the etiquette there? Do you go like, um, hey, it's okay, it's your turn? What do you say? You don't want to be like rude about it, right? I just throw something at him. <laughs> throw something at him, right? You take whatever's at hand, like a phone? Focusing on driving or a heavy, <laughs> blunt object. I usually say, you're good. Now, here's a good one. Um, more manufacturers, too, are incorporating toot horns. So if you're stuck behind someone in a green light who's you, not paying You don't attention, have to give them the full-on Right, and you're probably thinking, well, just give them a full-on There's parts in this country where I'm pretty sure a firearm would be involved in that situation. So it's nice just having a little toot horn. Like the Ineos has a little toot horn and a full-on horn. Really common on old cars. There used to be a country horn and a city horn, and now the toot is returned. Yeah, well, some countries, I mean, I've been to places like India where uh, honking is a way of life. Sure. But here in America... People uh, get very offended. Very offended if you honk at them. Uh, you might get away with just a quick little, like, you know, uh, just, just brush your hand over the horn button and get a little... Kind it's of, hard, though. I mean, most horns are pretty touchy nowadays. Yeah, and it scares people. It scares me. I know that. When I'm, like, sitting at a light uh, and uh, somebody honks at me, I just jump out of my skin. Yeah. But... Um, there you go. So we had your little rant. Are you happy with no, the rant? No, I'm not done with my You're rant. You're not, not done with no, the rant. There's more to this rant. Oh my goodness. You know, you know what? You know what new feature of cars that I absolutely hate the most? What? I'll give you a hint. It's Nathan's favorite beverage. Um, milk. No, the little coffee cup. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. You know what I'm talking about? No. The little coffee cup. The little warning. Oh, the oh, I hate attention that warning. warning because it never works right. Yes. You know what I mean? So this is a system that monitors your eyes and behavior and flashes a warning if you think you're tired and to take a little coffee break. Yeah, it's the nagster of the electronic uh, uh, so-called safety tech uh, that's now, I'm going to say, um, infiltrated uh, our vehicles where uh, you'll be driving along, paying perfectly good attention. And I'm talking about like you'll be like as into driving as you've ever been, and all of a sudden uh, the car says, hey, uh, you may want to take a coffee break. <laughs> I'm like, why? I'm perfectly awake. In fact, I'm, I'm, uh, and it's happened to me when I've been driving spiritedly. So I think it has to do more with like what the car is doing hmm. uh, than what you're doing. Or maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe it's looking at your eyes. Maybe it's looking at your steering behavior, that kind of thing. Yeah, so the idea is, let's say you're on a long road trip and you're starting to nod off, right? 
and uh, you're not paying attention and maybe you're weaving a little bit down the road, then the car uh, is supposed to gently uh, remind you that it might be a good time for a coffee break, except it never comes across that way, right? It always comes across as the car knowing uh, more about you than you do. Very true. Yeah, and that's going to get worse and worse, I think, as we enter an age of semi-autonomy where cars have to know if you're paying attention. So, like, if you, if you ever drive a GM car, like a Cadillac with Super Cruise, it's got sensors that actually look at your eyes to make sure you're not texting or falling asleep. So those systems are becoming more and more prevalent, and we're going to see them on more and more cars. I actually think, um, well, you just drove the Ineos. I actually think we're seeing a backlash to all that safety tech right now. I think people want real levers and buttons and uh, real tactile controls where they can actually, like, move things that do things. And I'm not talking about sliding a screen, uh, a finger across a screen that turns the lights on. I'm actually talking about, like, you know, pulling or pushing or turning a knob that actually does real things. And you're seeing that expressed in the latest... Uh, JD Power survey where for a second year, I think in a row now, people are less satisfied with their cars. And the main reason is too much tech, Tommy. Very interesting. That is, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, I read the comments, but um, if you read the comments, then every, the perfect car in the world would be a brown four-wheel drive diesel wagon. <laughs> but um, clearly commenters don't buy cars. Typical Americans buy cars. But uh, um, no, I, that is interesting that people are having a backlash. Maybe there is a limit to how much tech we can process. Yeah. And um, I also had another thought, and I wanted to run this by you as well. Is this a rant or is this just a Roman thought? No, it's not a rant. It's just a thought. <laughs> so uh, we recently purchased, what do we call it, the uh, most uh, truck your money can buy? Well, yeah. So you went out and bought a late 90s hmm. Ford a 250 diesel. I haven't even seen yeah. it. Is it a 350 or 250? It's a 250. Okay. OBS. Yes. Old body style, 97, the last year of that Ford body style with the iconic 7.3 liter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, somebody had swapped the automatic for a manual. Yep. Uh, and what I loved about that was just the feel of driving that big manual lever where you put it into first, which is actually kind of useless because it's basically a granny gear, mm -hmm. but then you put it into second, you put it into third, you put it into fourth, and then eventually you put it into fifth. And it feels like you're driving a truck. Now this truck is tuned, so originally you put out like 220 horsepower. Uh, but the thought came to me is, at what horsepower do you want to, or is there a number of, is there a number of horsepower that you want to go from manual to automatic, right? Because obviously manuals are having a little bit of a resurgence as well, but I find that, I'll give you a perfect example of that, I find that manuals in very high horsepower cars, like the Hellcat, are actually very unsatisfying to drive, just because uh, they take a, not that they don't take a lot of work, they're just, the car has more horsepower uh, than the manual uh, can effectively uh, deal with. Well, I mean, the commenters would say you just don't know how to drive the high horsepower manual, Dad. No, that one, that, that, that Hellcat with the, with the manual, you could you could roast the tires in every gear because it was undertired and over horsepowered. And I know that sounds weird, but basically, you know, at some point, there's also pure fun and pleasure in driving a car that's well balanced where the engine and the drivetrain and the and the you know the, the gear shift whether it's automatic dual clutch uh, uh, CVT or manual matches the type of car that it is and in, for me the magic number in cars I'm gonna say is probably four to five hundred horsepower anything above that I want an automatic just because it'll be much quicker 
You know that, right? Sure. Right, because you can't shift as fast as like a dual clutch. Um, it'll it'll be much easier to actually shift because that car will have paddle shifters if it's a sports car. Yep. So you'll have a much more efficient way to shift it. Uh, and like in the case of a Porsche, I drove a Porsche 911, uh, and that's got like, I want to say 450 horsepower, and it's got a seven-speed manual. And uh, maybe I'm old too much like uh, like into symmetry, but I hated that seventh gear. I just didn't understand why there was a seventh gear. And the only time I ever thought you could ever use it was on the Autobahn. But you know, you could do 150 in sixth gear or maybe 160, so why do you need a seventh gear? But, but when I was driving this truck, I thought that that rule where like, in, at least in my head, uh, I don't want to drive a car with either, it depends, it could be Ford, it could be 500 horsepower, that, that is not an automatic because I think it then becomes less fun to drive. I think with trucks it's the exact opposite because you're not trying to speed shift them and that amount of horsepower just feels right with a manual stick shift. So even if it's got you know over 500 horsepower, I still I think would prefer a manual in a very powerful truck. Are you saying that our truck is over 500 horsepower? No, but the Raptor is. You would prefer a manual transmission? I think Raptor? I would, yeah. I mean, here's a here's. I a, think I would. Here's the fundamental flaw with your argument All is right. that if people wanted that, they would have bought them, and then the manufacturers would have kept building them. But so few people were actually opting for the manual transmissions. They died in the full size truck. They died in the heavy duty truck with the introduction of the latest generation of HD RAM, and um, they are still around in the mid sized trucks. Like Tacoma just came out with the manual, which is fantastic. Low horsepower. So my big issue with modern day manuals yeah. is more less about the horsepower number, and more about the gearing. So, so many modern day transmissions are geared for fuel economy or geared for top speed. Like a lot of the new Porsches, as you mentioned, right? Uh, you know, I love the experience of shifting, being, being able to rev out an engine. Well, in some of these new high performance Porsches, at the top of second gear, you're doing like 85 miles an hour, which is no fun because then you're breaking the law and then you're going to jail if you do a third gear shift. Whereas like a Miata, they're geared so short, I get first, second, third, fourth gear, and I'm still top of fourth at like 70 miles an hour. So you get a lot more kind of engagement with a vehicle like that. Um, same thing with like Vipers. That was a big issue with the Viper too. The last gen is you could do like 65 miles an hour in first gear, which is great on paper because it means you can do zero to 60, never need to shift. But it means that when you're in the real world, you never get that experience of shifting the manual because you're always going too fast. Yeah, I mean that Porsche with that seven speed, right? I kind of feel like it should be like one of those spinal tap moments. Just make sixth, seventh, and you'll have this beautiful symmetry where you have, you know, uh, three up and three down, which also bugs me because then that seventh gear is all the way to the right and up, right? But, but there's no, no, no you, corresponding on, eighth. Hold on. Yeah. You grew up in an era of five speeds. I like five speeds. Well, why is five different than seven? Uh, because you also se don't seven, have se symmetry. Seven, se seven is one just too many. It's just. But your symmetry argument is true with three because, and five speeds. Because look, okay, symmetry and usefulness. Those are the two <laughs> two th things that I need, right? Uh, I, I hate having something that I don't use. Uh, I just feel like it's being wasted. So I'd rather, if we have a car that we're not using, making video production with, you know, I don't want to hold on to it. I, I want to move it down the road and have somebody else use it. I just don't want to sit down it because it bugs me that it's not being used. And uh, a seventh gear is rarely being used, hmm. right? Because it's just, you don't need it for anything. You can skip from, if you're on the highway doing 80, you can easily skip in that 911 from fourth right to seventh if you wanted to, or, you know, sixth. So why do you need that gear? Maybe on the Autobahn, if you're trying to reach top speed, you need that seventh. And in an automatic, let's say one of the new 10 speeds, you're using all those gears. And I know that's crazy because it, it's kind of in my head, but it, it, it kind of makes me happy that I'm using, like in the Raptor, it'll show you what gear you're in. 10 is too many. 
I don't care. The truck is picking. If I had to shift 10 gears, yes, it'd be too many. Yeah, 10 is too many to shift. Yeah. But if, if the truck is doing it, I'm, I'm very satisfied watching it like, jump from 7th to 5th. Uh, to five, to four, to three, or you know, up to ten. It's, it's just very satisfying, whereas it's very unsatisfying to have that seventh gear in the manual just hanging out there, never being used. All right, I think we've ran that into the ground. Let's talk about the Land Cruiser. So, Tommy, the Land Cruiser, let's give a little bit of history, right? How long has it been around? Well, it's been for sale in the U.S. since 1958, mm. and you always measure a Land Cruiser based on its series number. So it started with the 40 series in the States, then you had the 55, then the 60, the 80, the 100. The last one that we got in the States was the 200, which died in 2021. Yeah, and they basically killed it, I think, on purpose now to bring this new one in. Now, they didn't kill it in the rest of the world. There is a 300 series Land Cruiser, but right. the rest of the world, a lot of places don't have Lexus. And I think what happened was the Land Cruiser got to be so expensive that it was not knocking on uh, Lexus territory. It had gone in the house and made itself comfortable. Well, and the <laughs> thing with the Toyota and Lexus, right, is that the Lexus brand has a version of the Land Cruiser called the LX, Yes. right? Now, what's, what's interesting about the Land Cruiser brand is here in the U.S. it was one model always. Uh, FJ Cruiser was kind of like a sub-brand, but one model. Abroad, they've always typically had two. So there's the big Land Cruiser, and then a model called the Land Cruiser Prado. Which, which we never had. Which is like a smaller shrunk down version. Well, we did get it in the States in the form of the Lexus GX, right? But they never brought it to the US. Now going forward, here's what's happening. We're not getting the big one anymore, the 300. Instead, we're getting the Land Cruiser Prado, which is just called Land Cruiser. Yeah, and interestingly, this is probably the most interesting thing. Uh, it starts at how much money? Well, they're saying mid 50s. Uh, that's crazy, dude. Crazy, and the mid-50s one has different headlights. Uh, tell me about the three models. Yeah, so um, there are three trims. So the make is Toyota, the model's Land Cruiser. The three trims are a little confusing. The base model is called the 1958. Okay. It's got cloth seats, it's got small street tires, it's got round headlights. And that video is over at uh, All TFL. Yeah. The, uh, the midline slash high trim is called Land Cruiser. <laughs> so. I asked them, so I mean, is it the Toyota Land Cruiser, Land Cruiser? And they're like, no. But I said, yeah, but the trim is called Land Cruiser. And they're like, that's, that's what it is. So it's very confusing. But the Land Cruiser trim is going to have more options. It's going to have square headlights. That's what we see in this picture behind us if you're watching on YouTube. And it's going to be able to be specced with off-road tires, leather interior, all sorts of niceties. So would this be a good place in the podcast to insert that walk around? We could, but I want to talk about a couple other things. Well, I want to show them the vehicle, and then we'll come back and talk about the but other things. But people are going to be a little frustrated because it takes me a while to show the vehicle in the walk around because I got distracted. Well, let's just leave it at that and go to the walk around. <laughs> okay, well, stay tuned in the walk around. I ask a bunch of people their opinions first, and then you'll see the vehicle just a couple minutes in, and you'll, you'll get all of the details. Hey guys, so I'm on location at the launch of the new 2024 Toyota Land Cruiser here in Salt Lake City, Utah at the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum. And we're gonna go into the crowds, tons of members of the media and journalist community and, and influencer community checking out the new Land Cruiser. We're gonna talk to some people and really check out what Toyota has done to make this new Land Cruiser special. Now this Heritage Collection has hundreds of Land Cruisers from 40 series to 60 to 80, 100, 200, and a little bit of everything in between. And here we found our first flock of YouTubers. Matt Moran. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> so this is Matt Moran from Matt Moran Motoring. Dude, what do you think of the new Land Cruiser? I'm pretty stoked about it. I think it's really cool having the two different styles of headlights. And I think it's really fun the way they package it on the inside, having the cloth seats and stuff still. 
I'm excited about it. Yeah? yeah? I think it's pretty cool, too, and we're about to go inside and check it out, but does it live up to the expectation? I mean, it lives up to my expectations. I'm just happy it's like half the price of the old one, you know? <laughs> so you can actually have something affordable, you know? It's, right. it's great. All right, well, let's go talk to some more people. We got three of them. I'm going to butt in. You guys want to be on YouTube? Okay. We'll do, we'll do like a little circle thing here. Can I have you introduce yourself? Sure, I'm Jessica Ray. I work for Motor Week. Jessica's very famous, uh, more famous than I'll ever be. And Jessica, new Land Cruiser impression, is it cool? I think it's really cool. I think it has a lot of retro style to it while still like being relatively affordable. I wouldn't say it's super affordable, but it's not $85,000, which it used to be. So I think um, still got some off-road chops to it. Um, I, I got to drive it first, though, yeah. you know, to really to really see if I like it. But overall, I mean, I like the style of it. Absolutely. 100 percent. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And now we've got two legends of the industry. We got oh, no. Kirk and Jared. Jared, who do you work for? I work for CarBuzz.com. And Kirk, the face, of the, the face and Kirk, you're with your own YouTube channel. I'm the face of Kirk. Yes. Kirk rifles it on YouTube. Yep. So, guys, did Toyota do it right? Did they nail the new Land Cruiser? I think when it's all said and done, once a new 4Runner comes out, once we have the full picture, I think it's going to be an absolute home run. I would agree with that statement. We need to see where the 4Runner is going to stack up, but I can't keep it out of my head that for the same money, you could get a Defender. But as you guys probably know, they're on polar opposite ends of the reliability <laughs> spectrum. So if money was no object, which unfortunately money is an object, I might want the Defender because it's a Land Rover, no. but this is a Toyota and it's always going to work. And the, I know. And the Defender probably won't. I have no comments on the matter. Thank you guys. <laughs> check out their YouTube channels. We're about to go finally check out this new 2024 Land Cruiser. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit radiobeatsbeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. So Toyota has really changed the philosophy on this new Land Cruiser. So the, the previous gen we got in the States was called the 200 series. And it's a large three row, big, comfortable, expensive SUV that at the end there cost more than $90,000 in final heritage form. The new Land Cruiser is about an inch, in, in, about an inch or, or a bit shorter than the 200 series, but a whopping 4.4 inches narrower. So it's a smaller vehicle based on the GX, right? Um, now, previously we would have called this platform the Land Cruiser Prado. I'm told that uh, in this new generation, even abroad, it's not going to be called the Prado. It's just going to be known as a Land Cruiser. That's what I've heard through the grapevine. But um, this vehicle is coming to the States with a starting price in the mid $50,000 range. So the days of 80, 90, $100,000 Land Cruisers is gone. We'll have to wait and see what markups do. But, at least for MSRP, it's a much more affordable vehicle, much smaller and more nimble. Now, there are really three primary trim levels of Land Cruiser. The silver car we're looking at here is actually the base entry trim. It's called the 1958. The mid trim is just called the Land Cruiser, 
And the top trim is a Land Cruiser first edition. They're building 5,000 of the first edition Land Cruisers with all the off-road goodies, a roof rack, and some stuff like that. Now let's check out this blue one, right? Because this is the off-road focused Land Cruiser trim. And this is the one that's going to tailor to the off-road enthusiast. So you can see we've got the 32.6-inch Michelin LTX trail tires. It's got the underbody protection, and it's got a different look than the 1958. So the standard Land Cruiser trim has square headlights. The base car has a circular headlight unit, which I think is a really interesting move. Now, if you look at the front-end design, right, it's very retro, very boxy. You got the egg crate style grill. You've got the Toyota fonting there across the front end of the Land Cruiser. Um, and what I love about this new design is compared to the 4Runner, the current gen 4Runner is a hard vehicle to modify from the front end because the bumper extends a full width and you have to work around painted bodywork in order to fit aftermarket bumpers. So it's a lot of trimming, it's a lot of cutting back. This new Land Cruiser, is kind of hard to see on this body painted panel, but very modular. So it appears that all the components are separate. So if you want to replace the bumper, rather than having to cut the quarter panel, I think you're going to be able to do so much more easily. Um, other things to note, TNGAF platform. So what that means is it's a body on frame construction vehicle, solid rear axle, independent front suspension and um, uh, this vehicle has standard center locking diff, standard rear locking diff. So regardless of whatever Land Cruiser you're getting, you got those standard locking differentials. Um, but different trims are going to have different tires. So this base car, the 1958, has got a 31.5 inch tall tire, a non-off-road tire, this is a street tire, and um, you know, different, different car for different folks. Now as we make our way toward the rear of the Land Cruiser, something I find to be really innovative and really interesting is every version of this car is going to come standard with a tow hitch rated in, in any Land Cruiser configuration up to 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. Uh, also standard integrated brake controller. So Toyota is targeting and making sure that if you buy a Land Cruiser, you're going to have the capability you want from a towing standpoint. It's more than Wrangler, it's more than Bronco, it's not as much as the old Land Cruiser. Um, it is what it is. Now let's take a quick peek on the inside here. See if there's anyone in here. It's going to be a little dark coal, but I can take the camera if you want. Now this is, as we talked about, the base 1958 car. And you can see we've got cloth seats, but almost like a wool fabric. A very interesting fabric design with a textured material. And then across the dash, the entry-level car gets an 8-inch touchscreen display with a digital instrument cluster. The higher-end models could have a 12.3-inch display. Now, kind of a plasticky, pretty standard-looking interior, but um, looks very durable. I wish you could option vinyl floors, but I don't think you can. Um, you know, not, not a lot of really high quality materials, but the purpose of this vehicle is to be rugged, durable, and long lasting. And hopefully that's exactly what we're going to see out of this car. Uh, now below that you do, is there a key in here? No. But dual zone automatic climate control, 8 speed automatic transmission, and they have a couple of different drive modes. And every Land Cruiser 2 is going to have a version of crawl control. So if you're stuck off road, you're going to have the ability to get unstuck. A true four wheel drive system with a center diff, with a center diff lock. There's that rear diff lock. And then you got the toggle down here to select between four wheel drive high and four wheel drive low. Um, but very rugged in here, right? Now, you could say it's too black and plasticky, but 
you know, I'd love to hear comments in the section below. Is this a $55,000 interior? This is the total base car. Some other things worth noting, integrated brake control down here on the left. Standard Toyota Safety Sense 3.0 adaptive cruise lane centering blind spot monitoring included on all trims. And as we make our way to the back seat, check this out. So that wool motive continues in the rear here. Um, lots of leg room, good headroom. I'm six feet tall. Got plenty of headroom back here. You got integrated power, um, USB-C, 12 volt power there. Center console does take up a little bit of space in the center there, but lots of headroom. And you get a bit of a stadium seating effect where you feel like you're looking down over the world. So it's not a penalty box in the rear seat. Miles, are you live? I'm live. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. So miles for miles per hour. What do you think here? Let's get out of her way really quick. What do you think of the new Land Cruiser, Miles? I love it. I love that it's different, right? And this I, is coming from a Land Cruiser owner. It's coming from a Land Cruiser owner. I've got an 80 series, and I love that. And I love what the Land Cruiser has been the last 30 years. Uh, but I'm really excited for this new era of Land Cruiser, something that's going to be narrower, shorter, better on trails, while still having incredible capability for five people, not for seven. What do you think of the price? Oh, that's the most exciting part. It's going to open up a whole new era, a whole new segment of people who can afford these vehicles who never have before. Okay. Well, Miles, if people want to find your reviews, they're fantastic. Where should they go? I'm not showing a miles per hour shirt right now, but miles per hour on YouTube, on Instagram, and all those places. Sorry to sorry to to come in on your live yeah, feed. Yeah, I apologize. Twenty nine people. They're so curious. <laughs> well, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Now, if you want to take a look at the trunk here, a couple of interesting things to know, right? Good sized trunk. Um, no third row. So previous Land Cruisers had that iconic seat design that folded down from the side. This Land Cruiser, at least in the States, is not getting a third row. And I say those words at least in the States because check this out. You do get rear seat cup holders for a third row that doesn't exist. Uh, other things worth noting, I didn't notice that on my first walk around a Land Cruiser, 2400 watt power. You're probably thinking 2.4 kilowatts out of the vehicle. How are they able to get so much power in this package. Well, I'll show you. It's because Land Cruiser has gone to a hybrid engine. We're trying to work around everybody shooting. We'll show it to you in a second. But this is now standard hybrid configuration. So what that means is that you get a four-cylinder turbo engine, made it to a hybrid electric motor, 48 horsepower, made it to an eight-speed automatic transmission, total system output, 326 horsepower, over 450 pound-feet of torque. So we're lock, looking at a lot of torque out of that hybrid engine. Now, that's probably the most controversial point of this car. You know, Land Cruiser focused on durability, focused on longevity, and now they're going turbo hybrid. Does that make you nervous? For me, those little letters at the front Toyota tell me that this car has been tested and proven to be a long-lasting ride, but um, we're just going to have to wait and see how does that turn out in, in real-world performance. Toyota's done turbocharging for decades. They've done hybrids since 2001. It is, interestingly enough, a nickel-metal hydride pack, and you can actually see the battery in the rear here, so it lives underneath the floor, and that's one of the big reasons that you can't get a third row is because of the position of that battery. We don't know fuel economy. If you want the V6, you gotta go to the sister car, the Lexus GX, but it's gonna be hybrid only in uh, the new Land Cruiser. All right, let's try to avoid getting in everybody's way. But maybe you can get like a quick shot pull, some of the high voltage components there. Take a peek in there, you can see that longitudinally mounted 2.4 liter turbo. 
very interesting. We don't know fuel economy. Um, I would probably guess high high teens, low twenties. You know, it's it's still is a large vehicle, right? It's it's longer than a Forerunner. It's 2.4 inches, 2.7 inches longer than a Forerunner. It's about five inches longer than a four-door Wrangler. Um, so it's still a large vehicle. It's just not quite as large as it's been in the past. Um, but I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm excited about the form factor. I'm excited about the vehicle. Now, you do get... Oh, sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry, Lord. Hey, Joe. Do you want to yes. go on YouTube? Sure. For just a sec? Yes. So, here. I'm here with Joe and Lori Rady from Rady's Rides. Hey, what's going on? TFL. Dude, I Lots of action. It. Lots of action. What do you think of the Land Cruiser? You know, first of all, I think we could all admit that it was jaw-dropping that they brought it back. After, after taking it away, we're back here in the United States, and looking at it, having the 1958 Land Cruiser and the other Land Cruiser next to it, they each have their own look. And I think they really touched on the pulse of what a lot of potential buyers are going to want to have. Now, one of the most controversial things, turbo four-cylinder hybrid only. What do you think about that? You know, I, I know that the comment section is going to be ablaze. Where's the V6? Where's this? But I think moving forward, having that electrification be across the board, it's better than having a BEV. I'm glad that they went. If they're going to do it, go hybrid. I think once people get behind the wheel, that torque number is over 400 pound-feet of torque. Yeah. That's a pretty beefy amount of torque. And to have the two-speed transfer case, the locking rear diff, the center locking diff, that shows the off-road credentials. So I think when people get behind the wheel, the proof is in the eating in the, of the pudding, that I like to say. Well, Joe, thank you for your time. If, if folks want to find you on YouTube? Radies Rides. It's that simple. Joe and Lori are the best, the most sociable people I've ever oh, met. We love you guys. It's incredible. Tommy, the whole crew, amazing. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate yeah. it. I'll get back to it. Um, this is fun. I don't know if people like this, but seeing other people that we watch on YouTube and, and being able to, this is pretty typical how these work is you talk to like people you compete with and you collaborate with, and it's always really cool to see them in person. But there you get a quick look at like the round headlight design of the 1958, how that differs from the Land Cruiser trend. Um, and then way down there, every Land Cruiser is also going to come standard with recovery points. Optional skid plates. Wish that was standard, but you can see dual recovery points. Boop. You know, located there, Tundra doesn't get them, Land Cruiser gets them. And I'm also seeing like a lot of depth to that front end. I'm wondering if you're going to be able to squeeze a winch in there without too much modification. But here's what I mean about the modular components on the front end, right? The quarter panel, very separate from the front bumper, very separate from the front fascia which I think is very, very cool. Now, Cole, let's walk around this museum a little bit because there's a lot of really interesting stuff, a lot of great people. Maybe we can run into another one of them really quick here. Steven Elmer. Craig, I'm sorry, can I borrow Steven for just a sec? Steven Elmer from Truck King. Hey, everybody, and formerly TFL. Formerly TFL. <laughs> Back in the good old days. Steven, yeah. give me one thing you like and one thing you dislike about the new Land Cruiser. Okay. Um, one thing I like, disconnectable front sway bar. I would say all the off-road gear. We have the rear locker. I'm happy they didn't cheap out any of that. But the sway bar is cool. You don't have a front axle up there. I like that they have that in there. Of course, it's borrowed from Tacoma, but still, nice that they did it. 
And I gotta be honest with you guys, and I'll start with one more thing I like. The round headlights, love them. I yeah. don't like those square headlights. I, I just, I, I kind of feel like they should have gone round headlights on the entire model. We're here at the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum, full of round headlights, and that was the only decision which I'm just like, yeah, they should have all been round. Um, so yeah, square headlights, don't like them. Okay, gotcha. Um, now, I just asked Joe Rady this, but you know, old Land Cruiser V8 in line six, at least in the States for years. Yeah. Four-cylinder turbo hybrid, does that worry you at all? No, and, and I strictly say that because of the iForce Max in the Tundra, which is a crazy powerful engine. Um, so that kind of puts my fears to bed. I, I don't expect it to be super miserly on fuel, because that was also our experience in the Tundra. This is not a hybrid that's out there to save you a bunch of gas. But uh, I, I power-wise, no, I, I don't think it'll be a problem. The, the, the battery makes up for any issues the little four-cylinder turbo might have. That's sort of been my experience. You know? And last question, because um, I'm trying to get a bunch of perspective. Sure. The pricing. Yeah. So a lot cheaper than the old one. 55 or mid 50 starting. Yeah, way different. Cheap enough though. You know what? I think that the decision has obviously been made with the Forerunner in mind because I keep talking about Forerunner. How's that going to slot into the market? If they went 40 grand with Land Cruiser, then what do you do with Forerunner? I think that that price break had to be there. So starting at 55 for Land Cruiser gives you some room to play with a more affordable Forerunner, which will make sense in North America. Um, and then I think the sad truth that we all know is that for a good year, they'll probably be marked up and they'll probably be hard to find. So that's a bit of a bummer. Of course, that's not a fact, but it'll probably happen. <laughs> it'll probably happen. Yeah. Well, Steven, thank you for your time. If folks want to find you on the YouTubes. Yeah, come find us at Truck King and uh, TK Power Sports. Steven deals with mud way better than I deal with mud. <laughs> and he's got those fantastic Canadian winters. Yeah, that's it, man. We got lots of snow and lots of mud. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, Steven. Yeah, thanks, Thank Tommy. you so much. Thanks, All right, we're going we're gonna to keep uh, zooming around here and show you some of the other Land Cruisers and how this museum was put together. Um, so this is in Salt Lake. And this is such a cool place to come and visit. And the guys here are super cool. If you're restoring a Land Cruiser, for example, and you like you want to know what the underside of a 73 FG4, FJ40 looks like. We're restoring a quarter panel. These guys will let you crawl around, take pictures if need be, and make sure you get your restoration back on track, right? They're, they're, they're committed to helping the Land Cruiser community and really uh, pushing this community forward. But they've got everything. I mean, they've got interesting stories, like this totally burned out FJ40 that came out of California, was involved in one of the really uh, big fires there. And it's a sad story, it's a one owner truck um, and the, the gentleman, when he heard the fire was coming, his plan was, it, it moved so fast, his plan was he was going to start the engine, put it in gear, and then drive it into a lake. That never ended up happening, but uh, it's pretty cool. Um, do you need something? I was going to show you something. Yeah, what do you have to show me? like to see. Are you, with the, are you with the museum? Uh -huh. Can I uh, have you introduce yourself? I'm Toby Warner. Wow, okay. So. Very cool. Yeah, let, let's see what you got. I just came out of the Paradise, uh, California fire. Do you mind if we follow you here? Cole, be careful. The only thing that survived, check that out. Oh, the Toyota the badge. Toyota badge. Wow, that is unreal. So I heard from Kurt that, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, the gentleman who owned this wanted to put it in gear and drive it into the lake. He did. But he, he couldn't get it started, the battery right. died. Well, the fire was coming too fast and he just couldn't get it over. He was a retired sheriff, um, had bought it brand new in, I think, 1973. It had three miles on it, it was his baby. The fires came, there was just no time. It was the most emotional thing 
uh, when he actually donated it to the museum, it actually took him some time to be able to get up enough, I don't know, yeah, courage. Courage yeah. to let it go, even though it was in this state. So um, tell me a little bit about this museum. What's what's your mission and, and what do you guys do here? So our mission is to preserve the heritage of the land cruisers and to inspire others to go out and go on their own adventures. And it's amazing, the people who come through this museum, there's a, a map up in the front that shows where we've had visitors from all over the world. And you can see people transcend back to a different point in time where they can just smell the vehicles or the atmosphere that they were in. And they'll tell you stories of childhood or teenagers that had taken their first driver's test in a Land Cruiser. And it, it's a really cool experience to be able to just hear all of those stories. So um, I was kind of walking around a little bit with Kurt. We got another video over TFL Off-Road. Um, how many vehicles do you have in total here? So we have 100 that have been on the floor. We have had to remove a couple um, when we moved into this building just because we didn't have enough space for them. So we're very selective on what we have on the floor. We always try to have the most uh, representative piece for the collection. Obviously, we love things that are stock or, you know, have the original patina and, and things of that nature. If they have been restored, we want them to be restored as close to factory as possible. And if we find another piece that is a better representation, we'll buy it and sell the other one off. Wow. So this really is, and it's got to be globally, one of the best, most accurate collections marking the series of Land Cruiser from the like the early, like the 20 series that you have up front. Yeah, it is. It is. Unless you, the only other thing that we've heard where there might be something of this magnitude would be sheiks who have them route hold away that you'd never see. Gotcha. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Um, I'm Tommy with TFL. Nice it's a pleasure. You. Thank you for telling me a little bit about the museum. Yeah. Any highlights that we got to check out? Um, there are, but I'd have to take you behind the scenes. So, oh. I mean, you've got these and they're, every one of them has their own story. Okay. Um, I'm sure Kurt took you through. Have you got down and looked at the axle under the mine truck? No, can we go see that? Yeah, yeah let's go see that. I mean, what's so cool about this museum um, is as we talked about, there's almost no place in the world where you can see a 40 and a 55 and a 60 and an 80 all in the same place. Right. Um, and then, like, what I love about it is you got yourself and you got all the employees that are so knowledgeable and excited about the community and the trucks themselves. Yes. And it's pretty... And this one, this, yeah. this was great. It looks terrible, right? But when we received it, it runs and drives. Wow. We pulled it off the truck and the guy jumped in it and drove it down the sidewalk to pull it in the building, but it runs and drives, even in this condition, because it came from South America. And they will use these vehicles until they just can't use them anymore. They'll leave them on the side of the road and someone else takes it and fixes it up and they use it. And they just continue to use it until until they can't. So what's the, what's the story with the axle and the mining truck? Uh, it's just huge, it's massive. So the truck itself, it, it doesn't exceed like 20 miles an hour. Okay. Um, because it was used in the mine, so they've got it set up for heavy duty hauling. Wow, look at that. 
That's wild. If you get down and take a look at that axle, it's massive. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So one of the cool things about the, um, yeah, you can see that underneath there, Cole. One of the cool things about the Heritage Museum is that um, because it's a nonprofit museum, you're able to bring in vehicles like the 70 series that we never got in the States. Right, we do. We are very thoughtful in what we bring in. Um, we have taken um, measures for the ones that are so new that you can't legally bring them in to follow the regulations and, and go and get the necessary approvals to have them here for display. Um, yeah. But for the most part, at this point, we are just trying to stick to the, the older vehicles that can legally brought in that we don't have to spend a lot of time and money to right. get here. Well, thank you so much for telling me a little bit about the museum. Yeah. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you. Yeah. We're going to keep cruising yeah. down the wet Enjoy. way, but we'll catch up with you later. Thank you. Um, yeah, so well, this whole row of vehicles, right? These are called the 70 series of Land Cruiser. And I maybe have been a little bit unclear, but you, you mark the Land Cruiser in history based on the series number. So 40 series, like you see behind you, the 55, like you see behind you, the 60, the 80, the 100, the 200, right? And these are called 70. So these are really popular vehicles in Australia, in the Middle East, in South, in South America, and other markets that were never imported into um, into the, the states, right? And this is a cool example of what the Heritage Museum can do. So being based in the US, we have laws about importing vehicles. The vehicle has to be older than 25 years in order to legally register it. Um, and that's due to safety and EPA and all sorts of lobbying. But if you are a museum, you can um, file for what they call a show and display permit where you bring a vehicle in for historical purpose or for um, a museum purpose, right? And that's what these guys have done. So this is a 2015 76 series Land Cruiser. I happen to know a little bit about this vehicle. This vehicle has something like seven kilometers on it. This is a brand new vehicle sold in Japan in 2015 that um, the, the museum has imported for the purpose of show and display so that they could show people what a perfect 76 series Land Cruiser looks like. Um, but every machine in this museum has a purpose. And people that are into Land Cruisers way more than I am, I know just, just, just a little bit about them, can tell you the stories behind some of these vehicles and why they're significant. But you got everything from two doors to four doors to fire trucks to short wheelbase to long wheelbase to trucks to Land Cruiser offshoots like the Prado. Um, and I want to show you one more here. And I think that this is probably one of, one of the coolest in the museum, right? Because when you think of Land Cruiser, you know the heritage, you know what it's about, you know, um, you know the story behind these vehicles, but in so many instances, um, uh, there's Land Cruisers that we never got in the States that go forgotten. Let me squeeze by these gentlemen. Thank you, sirs. Um, now these two are cool, because we can see these two side by side. I want to take a pause here. This is a 200 series, sold new in the US. This one, I believe, came out of Australia, brought here once again for show and display. This is a... 2011 200 series Land Cruiser. In the US, we got the 5.7 liter V8. 
in Australia, you could spec it with a 4.5 liter twin turbo diesel. How cool is that? And then what Cole is featuring here, this is a US spec 200 series. So this is actually the last Land Cruiser we got in the States before they killed it off. Um, and being able to see, you know, that the 200 series side by side with the, the diesel spec and then the gasoline V8 is, is really, really cool. So just such a wide variety. You've got this vehicle like this, this is a 105. So this is a 100 series, but it was sold in Australia. Solid front axle, which never made its way to the US. And then this is what I really want to show you. If you want to squeeze down here, not a lot of people realize that Toyota built a military or builds a military vehicle similar to what um, uh, uh, AM General has done with the Humvee. So this right here is called, um, I think it's a PX80 is the official term, but known colloquially as the Mega Cruiser. Portal axles like a Humvee, um, diff locks front and back. It's a military troop transport truck. You can see the rear, it's got all sorts of you know, potential for troop transport. Well, someone in Japan, upper, upper management at Toyota thought it would be cool to do what ultimately Hummer did with the H1. So they built a civilian model in very limited quantities, 149 mega cruisers were built. So it's not strictly a Land Cruiser, but it falls within the Land Cruiser family. Now this is a wide, wild vehicle, right hand drive only, and the engine in this is insane. It's, uh, you know, the, hum the Humvee's got variants of, you know, 6.5 liter diesels and turbo diesel, but V8 engines, they had gasoline ones in the Hummers. The Mega Cruiser has a four cylinder. This vehicle's huge. I think it's on 37s, 35s or 37s. So you're like, well, how can a four cylinder power a vehicle like this? It's because it's a 4.1 liter four cylinder. Four liter. It's nuts. In most cases, that would be a V8 nowadays. But 4.1 liter, large bore four-cylinder, turbo diesel. I'm told these will go about 65-ish. You can see through the window, though. Very similar to the, the Humvee or the Hummer with that wide center tunnel. Portal axles, just like the Humvees and Hummers. But one of the coolest vehicles on display that never made its way to the US. Um, you can see all the seating in them, and these are really valuable. One just sold at auction, I think, for $350,000. There's only a handful in the States. But some of the cool stuff you can see at the uh, Land Cruiser Heritage Museum. All right, Cole, let's, let's finish it up with the new one. My voice is going crazy tired because I've been yelling about Land Cruisers all day today. Um, I, I'm excited about the new Land Cruiser. You know, after talking to people that have been around Land Cruisers for decades, what people need to understand, right, is anytime there's a new Land Cruiser, the community is so ingrained in its roots that there's always a certain amount of hate. So I was talking to my friend Kurt Williams, who's a famous overlander, runs uh, Cruiser Outfitters, and he was like, you know, I was around when the 80 series and the 100 series debuted and the 200, and every time there's a new gen, people get their undies in a bundle and then they come to love it. And I'm kind of thinking that's gonna be the case with the, uh, with the new Land Cruiser. Now it's a departure, but I think it's a good departure. First time maybe ever we've seen such a significant price decrease for the Land Cruiser lineup. Um, first time in a long time the Land Cruiser's gotten smaller, you know? Abroad they do make a 300 series that's not making its way to the US. So this is gonna be our new Land Cruiser here in the US. But um, guys, I mean, I, I'm excited. Mid 50s starting, realistically mid 60s. Realistically, after markups, probably mid-80s. Um, but 
it's cool to have a new entrant. And the question is, what is Toyota going to do with the new Forerunner? Because the Forerunner is old, old. My bet, if I was a betting man, they're going to price the Forerunner lower than the Land Cruiser, which makes sense, but it's going to be based on the new Tacoma. Kind of like what they did in the 80s, where the Forerunner, the Gen 1, was just a taco with a thing in the back, a topper in the back. I think that's kind of similar to what they're going to do with the new Forerunner. Maybe have it be convertible, maybe a removable top. Just spitting in the wind here, nothing confirmed, but I'd love to know what you guys think. Um, Cole, whew, we're going to cut back to the studio and finish it up over there because I need a tall glass of iced tea or maybe a nice glass of whole milk. I think that would really, really cut the biscuit right now. But anyways, I've always wanted to say this, back to the studio. You got very distracted, Tommy. Yeah, well, I like to talk to people. It's cool to get different perspective. And we were at the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum, which has some of, probably the best collection of Land Cruisers in, in the country, maybe one of the best in the world. All right, well, now that we've got everybody else's opinion, uh, tell me your opinion. Well, I think that there's a lot to like and some stuff which I'm kind of on the fence about. All right, let's start with the powertrain. Are you on the fence? What, what is the powertrain and are you on the fence about it? So we talked about it in that walk around. Right. 2.4 liter, four-cylinder turbo hybrid. Now, this is kind of the most controversial part of the Land Cruiser. The 200 series had the 5.7 liter V8, the 100 series had a V8, and then all the other ones had inline sixes here in the US. So people are worried. You know, they, they got on turbo, they got on hybrid. What does that mean for reliability? Well, I am not particularly stressed about it because of those six little letters on the front of the, the vehicle. Toyota, right? Toyota has the most rigorous reliability standards in the industry. They have a lot of experience building turbo engines. People forget that, right? Toyota was building gas turbo engines in the 80s, and they've been building turbo diesels for years. Um, and they've got decades of hybrid experience, right? They launched the Prius back in the early 2000s, over 23 years ago. Um, and then when you combine that together, right, uh, it uses old school battery technology, nickel metal hydride, which is proven, simple, very unflammable, very reliable. Well, and that uh, Land Cruiser is going to come out sometime in the spring of next year, right? Sure. So by the time it actually is in the Land Cruiser, it would have been in the Tacoma, which comes out uh, in the fall. Yes. Uh, crown? It's in the Crown? It's in the Crown. It's in the, uh, what's, the what's the new seven row? Uh, Grand Highlander? Grand Highlander. It's in that as well. Yeah. So, so it'll be in a bunch. It'll. I think it's fair to say it'll be in, you know, at least a half a million vehicles by the time it actually hits the, or maybe less, but still, you know, hundreds of thousands by the time it hits the Land Cruiser. Well, and let's look at the alternative, right, right. in the Toyota lineup. So the current Forerunner has that 4-liter V6. Yes. Very reliable engine. Great engine from reliability. Very thirsty. Very thirsty, not very powerful. Um, you know, the V8 is essentially dead. The 5.7 is gone out of the Sequoia and the Land Cruiser and all of that. Um, and that would have been too big for this platform anyways. Um, so the fact of the matter is, in a world where we've got emission standards and, and fuel economy standards, two-liter turbos and hybrids, they work, they pass the mustard. We don't know how it's going to work off-road. I've driven two-liter turbos that are great off-road. I've driven two-liter turbos which are pretty crap off-road. So we're going to see it, have to wait and see how it's programmed. Yeah, so I'm kind of of two minds. Uh, we'll have to see how Toyota does it, but um, in both the truck and in the Land Cruiser. So I was just driving. We have it at the office here, the new uh, GMC Canyon uh, ATX whatever the top. AT4X. AT4X, yeah. And that's got the little uh, four-cylinder turbo in it mm -hmm. um, and did not hate it but did not love it. There's just something, uh, I'm going to use the word flatulent about those four-cylinder uh, turbos, right? They just kind of sound like they're 
a little um, a little gassy. Uh, sure. Uh, and I did not, and I do not love uh, the same engine that four-cylinder turbo in the Jeep Wrangler. I would no, go with the Fenestar all day. And of course, this may be you know a whole different engine, but in general, I find. Uh, the two-liter turbos to be fine in like on-road cars, and they're in about every on-road car you can think of, right? By various manufacturers, but in an off-road car, there's just something—I don't know. There's just something that doesn't feel or doesn't jive, and I can't put my finger on it. But I like that low-end grunt that um, maybe even like like the Pentastar has naturally aspirated. And I know these cars and trucks may have more torque than a lot of the V6s. Yeah, but the Pentastar doesn't have any low-end grunt. You have to rev it to 5,500 RPM to get the peak torque in that engine. Yeah. So I think it's fine. I, I honestly do. We're going to have to wait and see how it is out on the trail. Can't make any judgments yet. But the other things we should talk about, which I really like, mm -hmm. is this seems to be the first Toyota in a while that was really designed with the aftermarket and the, um, the, the, the modification potential in mind from the get-go. You don't think the FJ was designed with that? I think it was, but that was 2007. And the, and the Forerunner, Forerunner probably wasn't because Forerunner is very hard. That nose is really hard to, yeah, to put so a bumper like on. Forerunner to, to put an off-road bumper, you have to do a lot of cutting of plastics and you have to do a lot of cutting of painted materials. Whereas it appears that this Land Cruiser is much more modular, more chunky, more. Uh, it's got clear delineations between quarter panel and front bumper and lower trim, and it's all very clear. It seems to have more wheel well clearance than any Toyota I've seen in a generation. I mean, yeah. it's got uh, huge think, amounts of clearance I for larger tires. Go, I'm looking at the picture right now. I think you can go, it's 33s, right, that it's rolling on? The 32.6. Okay, but I think you can go 35s. It no, like, absolutely not. Not that much. You don't think 35s no. will fit? No, no. But I think you could go to a true 33, maybe slightly larger. Okay. Um, Even with a lift? With the lift, you can do 30. Well, that lift anything, you can put 35s on it. But uh, it's got more clearance. Uh, like a, a, like a Forerunner, you can lift it, and you, and you can put like 33s. I don't think you're going to get 35s on a Forerunner. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. a Forerunner needs a lot of lift. I think that this is probably going to take a true 33 much more easily than a Forerunner does, especially taking to larger tires. Just the way that like the, the body mounts have always been issues on Tacomas and Forerunners in the rear, getting clearance on that. Um, it just looks like it's got a lot more room underneath it. Now, one thing I don't like is the ground clearance is pretty minimal out of the box, 8.7 inches, which is a full inch or 0.9 of an inch less than the Forerunner. So it's got Subaru levels of ground clearance, which isn't fantastic. So I went on the new Lexus uh, GX launch, mm -hmm. which is basically the Land Cruiser. With the V6. So that with, does get the V6. With the V6, but there's that new trim called the Overtrail. Yeah. And I remember right, it's got 10 inches of ground clearance. Interesting. Yeah. Is there, is there a Land Cruiser with more than 8 inches of, like one of the trims? Not that I know of, no. no. So you can get a 31 and a half inch tall tire and a 32.6, yeah. um, but they're, they're all right around 9 inches. And it's interesting that like Toyota isn't offering a Tirity Pro or a Trail Hunter like we've seen on Tacoma. They're just keeping it at 1958 Land Cruiser and then there's a first edition For as now. well. For now. But keep in mind, like this vehicle has never really been marketed as a rock crawler. The Land Cruiser has been a vehicle to travel long distance in extreme comfort and reliability. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see what they do. And I will say, it does have some fantastic off-road tech, like a standard center diff lock and a standard rear diff lock. And just like the GX, it has an optional sway bar disconnect. So these are true off-road hardware features, which we haven't been seeing in some Toyotas. Yeah, yeah. They've been using technology, and now they've gone back to some more traditional off-road gear. And I love that. Um, all I, right, so let me ask you this. The, yeah. the big question here, Tom. Well, what about things we don't like? We'll get to that in a sec. Okay. All right. Uh, what I do like is the price. 
I don't know if I like the price. I like the price. But 55 is good. 55 is good. I, I mean, the old 200 series Land Cruiser, 85, 90, 100 if you got the yes. Heritage Edition. It's the first time in a generation, in many generations, where Toyota has made the new generation of Land Cruiser cheaper. But when you get in the base $55,000 truck and you start poking around on the interior and the plastics, it doesn't feel like a $55,000 so, car. So, but where does, traditionally, okay, you guys probably know this, but traditionally when there's a new Tacoma, then a year later there's a new 4Runner, right? Because they share the same platform. So this makes me wonder, where does a 4Runner live? Because now this is definitely bumping into 4Runner territory. Well, I've talked to some people in the know. Okay, and what do they say? And um, I've been been uh, having some conversations. Now, Toyota themselves won't officially tell me because they say they don't talk about future, future product. product yes. But I've talked to some folks adjacent to Toyota mm-hmm. um, that, that are in the know. And I've, I've pitched my ideas, and they seem to think that that is probably I'm on the right track. But what what it sounds like Toyota's going to do with the 4Runner is they're going to go back to what they did in the 80s. Okay, which was? The original 4Runner was a Tacoma with a shell on the back of it. They're going to do a Tacoma with a shell on it? So I'm thinking... and That's you know, not going to pass safety regs. No, hold on, then. It's not going to be that simple. They're not All going right. to put some fiberglass thing on the back of a Tacoma and add some seats. Yeah. But um, the current 4Runner and the current Tacoma are pretty different from a design standpoint, sure. interior standpoint, packaging they share, standpoint. They share a powertrain. They don't share a Oh, no, that's right, because the 4Runner still has the, the old... The 4-liter. Yeah. Um, um, they the share a basic engine, platform. But um, I'm thinking the new 4Runner is going to be more affordable with the front end, the running gear, the interior of the Tacoma with maybe a shell on the back. Not a shell, but maybe maybe even a removable top on the back. Like because, you're going to have to Jeep, you think? Well, yeah, because look how popular Bronco has been. Look how popular Wranglers have been recently. Now Toyota has filled this niche of what the 4Runner was with the Land Cruiser. It would be really cool if they went a little bit more bold with the Forerunner. And pricing-wise, it's interesting, right? So um, this is a this is priced well within the Toyota lineup because this kind of starts where Forerunner fizzles out mid fifties, right? Except with dealer markups. Like, yeah, with dealer markups, other, it's going to yeah. be a hundred. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I think that the new Forerunner is going to be something a little different. It's going to be a little bit more affordable. And it's not going to be uh, very similar to this uh, Land Cruiser. So in a way, this Land Cruiser has now become the Forerunner. If you're saying, sort of. if, if your theory is right. Well, I mean, it's a little bit nicer. And the Forerunner is going to become a Bronco slash Jeep direct competitor. This is still 2.4 inches longer than the current Forerunner. Yeah. It's tows 6,000 pounds standard, yeah. which is great. Every trim gets brake controller and hitch. Which is amazing. That's such a cool thing. You, you know what I don't like about it? I'll give you. What? I don't like that they didn't do the uh, little seats that come down from the, the side. third row. Yeah, I you don't know love why those that seats. is. Because they're going to put in the Lexus. <laughs> no, I know that. No, <laughs> because abroad other markets are getting the third row. Okay. But in the U.S., underneath the floor and the trunk where your feet would is go the is the battery. Uh. Um, now, funny enough, you still get cup holders for a third row. Right, so it still is clear that's where a third row should have been, but two row only. But we don't get um, uh, fuel economy numbers yet, right? They're holding, no. they're holding those back. And I think if you ask Toyota why no third row, that what would they say? Buy a Sequoia. Yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. Um, but pricing wise, it's got to be more expensive than Forerunner, and it's got to be cheaper than GX, right? Because otherwise they'd be stepping on each other's toes. So I, I think the pricing fits well within the lineup. the The reason I was on the fence about pricing when you mentioned it is is when you get in the base car, which looks better with the round headlights, mm-hmm. it offers a standard locker. People which like is the great. round headlights better than the, than the square ones. People seem to like the round headlights better than the square. Okay. But when you get in the base car, it feels like a quality item, but the materials are pretty pretty Basic. budget. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hard black plastics. 
lot, a lot of hard black plastics. When you spend, get in the nice trims, it's great. You get this beautiful brown premium material. You get the sunroof. You get a lot of nice things. So, so I, I kind of, I, I'm kind of jiving with your theory uh, because you know, the, obviously they made it more off-road worthy by adding a, more traditional things like rear lockers. But what's missing, which you can get from a Bronco or which you can get from a Wrangler, of course, is not just a convertible, but there's a slew of other off-road goodies. So no front locker. We're not going to see it. I, I don't think the new Ford. Why not? If you're going to go head-to-head yeah, head against a no. Bronco, you know, when you when they do that little thing where they benchmark each, you can't be like uh, Forerunner, no front locker, Bronco front locker, um, Wrangler front locker. Well, right? then you should have told them that about 20 years ago when, when Jeep started offering front lockers. Um, so, uh, but there's more. It's not just that. Well, no. hang on. Snorkel. Let, let's, maybe. But let's pause for a sec. Winch. Can I, can I say something? Sure. You just keep steamrolling me. Um, the Tacoma. Does that have a front locker? No. There you go. Then the Forerunner's not going to have a front but locker. You, but the Tacoma doesn't, also doesn't have a removable top. That so. I literally think, and I could be way off base, I could be completely wrong, I genuinely think the new Forerunner is going to have everything Tacoma has with a trunk. It's going to be a Tacoma with a trunk and maybe a removable top. Then, then to me, there's no differentiation between the Land Cruiser. I mean, then you Well, got it's going to be cheaper. I think it's going to start at 35. So you got a $20,000 gap for a four. So, so then where does a, where does a RAV4 live? RAV4 has never really competed. RAV4 can be priced the same as the current 4Runner. So, so Bronco Sport levels of refinement in the RAV4, and then you step up to the 4Runner, which is almost identical except for cost in terms of capability with the Land Cruiser. That, to me, just is a little awkward. That's what I think. I mean, honestly, that's been the case for decades, Dad. Mm. The current 4Runner, when it was going up against 200 series, had more. Well, no, that's disappointing. It's got more capability. Why is it disappointing? This is a different segment. This is a more mature, comfort-based audience. I'll tell you why it's disappointing. What's the hottest car, car, not truck, what's the hottest car of the last three years? C8 Corvette. No, the Bronco. The Bronco is the, hot, is the hottest car. It's just it's just crossed all sorts of like demographics, right? Why e can't the foreigner do that? Even to this day, there are people still waiting for it. Ford can't build enough of them. Uh, and the reason I think the Bronco, besides its heritage, which Toyota has, is because they leaned into the off-road worthiness because they understand that while people may not take it off-road, they may not go and run Hell's Revenge in Moab, they want to be able to do that, and they want the vehicle that can do it easily. And uh, I think if Toyota does not recognize that and see that in the Bronco and the Wrangler, then they've probably missed a potential opportunity to make the Forerunner a true competitor to those two. I, I mean, most popular vehicle, um, like I said, Bronco, the recent study just came out, the vehicle with the, with the highest over sticker. What do you think it is? I don't know. Wrangler. Um, Why wouldn't you lean into that? For, first of all, Dad, the level of capability that even the current Forerunner has is huge. I mean, you're saying, oh, I, they do Hell's Revenge in a Bronco. I've done Hell's Revenge in a new Forerunner. It's cake. Okay, or, it's literally you, that, cake. I get that. True. That's you. But let's say you're sitting there at that entrance to Hell's Revenge, right? Yeah. Right? That little, you know, you go through the booth, you pay, and you're sitting there. And you've got two vehicles that you can, and you know nothing about off-roading. You've got two vehicles that you can take through Hell's Revenge. You've got a Forerunner, which, you know, looks like the current Forerunner or, like you said, a Tacoma, right? Or you've got a Bronco on 35s with a winch, a snorkel, you know, metal bumpers, you know, a giant amount of ground clearance. Which of those do you take to go off-road? The Forerunner. 
No. Because it'll go 400,000 miles without an oil no, change. No, you just go, no one cares. It's true. No one's going to, a few people own their car 400,000 miles. Well, look, we're, we're just speculating about the Forerunner. We don't know what the future is. Maybe it'll be on 37s and have solid axles. So, but so, so let's use this as a transition what? to talk about the past. You got to talk about uh, a little bit about the previous uh, Land Cruiser, right? Sure. So who else did you talk to that we can now cut to? No, we, we just ran the whole thing. Oh, we did. The whole thing has been run. Okay, I thought I thought that you had a, another interview with. No, no, I, I did like nine interviews in the course of one video. I see. Okay. Yeah, so so it's all done, but um, my fault. Yeah, guys, we'd love to know your feedback. Let us know what you think. I think it's a pretty pretty much a home run on this Land Cruiser. No, no, I have no problem with the Land. I think it's cool. I think the new Forerunner is gonna be really cool whenever that comes. I still think we're a little wilds out on the new Forerunner, but this is hitting dealers in 2024. We don't know final pricing. We don't know fuel economy, and of course, we don't know about those pesky dealer markups. So when you were sitting inside the vehicle. Did you think to yourself, I want one of these? Yeah, that was cool. I really did like it, especially the base car, which I was just complaining about. But uh, I always like to find a way to save a little bit of money. Toyota even said, get the base car if you want to build it up because it's it's it's, it's the one that's going to take skid plates and lifts and kind of more easily. What was the one thing that you liked the most about it? Um, what did I like the most about it? The fact that you get a standard rear locking diff and 6,000 pounds of towing. That's more towing than the Bronco and the Wrangler. And it's got a standard diff lock, which isn't available on either Bronco or Wrangler. And what did you like the least about well, it? Well, it is available, but it's not. Um, the thing I, I like the least about it, um, yeah, I mean, I, um, I, didn't, I didn't love the fact, so the, the base car has a really cool seats. But the rest of the interior, like I said, is kind of kind of bar bargain basement. Mm. Um, but uh, then, of course, you can pay more and get the nicer interior. But for fifty-five, you'd expect it to be a little nicer. I mean, I I don't I think it's weird that they have two different headlight designs. You know, I want I want this cruiser trim that's got the off-road stuff, like skid plates and the off-road tires. But I want the round headlights, and I think it's kind of a miss you can't get those cool round headlights on every trim. Yeah, I wonder what. Isn't that weird? You get two different headlight designs, but like significantly different. Yeah, I wonder what that's going to do to like production when you can have basically two front fascia clips, right? That can't be easy. Wow, well, yeah. Yeah, that can't be easy to manufacture, and it's certainly going to be interesting when you have an accident and you got to get it fixed, right? And you're, they'll be like, do you have the square headlights or the round headlights? It's an interesting proposition. I, I think it's smart uh, to give people that choice, but I think it's got to be complicated when it comes to actually building it like that. Yeah, but guys, let us know what you think of the Land Cruiser. Yep. I, I gave a pretty good little rundown in my... Uh, Hopefully I gave a good rundown in my little synopsis 30 minute at site at the Toyota Heritage Museum, the Land Cruiser Heritage Museum in Salt Lake City. And we've got complete wall-to-wall -wall coverage that Tommy did on all of our channels. So go to alltfl.com if you want to see more Land Cruiser stuff. And remember, if you're parked at a red light and there's somebody trying to turn right, just scooch up a little bit. Just ah. a scooch. Scooch. Just a scooch. Just yep. a scooch. Let them by. All right. See you guys next time. Ciao. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.